Hello, I am Damir and this is the Damn Jam Podcast Episode 2. Along with me, as always, Jamal the Boys. And in this CES 2015 special, we will talk about all the interesting stuff that happened on this year's Consumer Electronics Show. We will cover everything from smartphones over to wearables, but also PC and Windows machines in general. So there should be more than enough interesting stuff to hear from us. We will share our thoughts and what we expect to see as the year progresses. So without any further delay, enjoy this week's episode. Okay, let's start then, I would Okay, so before we are going to actually talk about the main topic, which would be CES 2015 today, we wanted to talk to tackle a few other things before right now, like, for example, our schedule, we will try to make the podcast every week like so i think we will record on fridays and or Saturdays because of the schedule and then release it on Mondays. So that's pretty much our plan how we want to do these things. And we also wanted to talk a little bit, or if you have to add, add do you want to add something? Uh, uh, yeah. So, I mean, so Fridays and, and Saturdays because Demir's in uh, Germany and I'm here in the uh, in the U.S. And uh, frankly, I, by the time I get in on a Friday, Demir's probably awake uh, because he's not like most people. He's up. Uh, but I'm usually tired, so we, we normally have time on Saturday morning, so that's when we're going to start recording these things. Um, it will not take the place of the uh, the Hangouts that we do, uh, and we do those Hangouts uh, every couple weeks uh, yeah. where we reach out to you guys and we ask for your opinions and your thoughts um, because we always like to interact with you and uh, hear what you have to say. Yep, that's exactly that and otherwise we also before we are going into the cs we wanted to talk a little bit about our future plans so and i think i will we should start with the blogging and our videos and where to find us so jamar what are your plans for this year how you want to do this yes so so 2015 uh for me you guys probably saw me go a little silent the last two months or so of 2014 i'm gonna get back into the blogging um i miss blogging uh but i'm gonna be using google plus as my uh, primary platform for that and the reason why is publication is a lot easier um feedback from you guys is immediate and we live in a world of immediate gratification so I don't want you guys to, you know, get pushed to a to a blog, to a website, to to get to that content or to get to my thoughts or my feelings or whatever you may find interesting. So, um, I'll be using Google Plus as my as my primary platform for my uh, my thoughts and experiences. So far as video, um, again, video for me is all based on what I get uh, in house here. Um, I don't like to oversaturate my YouTube channel with just a bunch of stuff. Um, I definitely want to do a little bit more lifestyle type things. Um, I just Right now, haven't had the time to do that, but uh, 2015, I'll definitely be more toward home automation and uh, some of the fitness trackers and things that are coming down the pipe. That's pretty much going to be my focus. I may uh, cover some smartphone stuff, but that may not be the primary driver of my channel in 2015. Uh, Demir, what about you? I mean, uh, you, you you usually have a, a good stream of, of unique hardware coming in. So what yeah. about you so far as 15? Okay, so in 15, I'm not really so sure about the constant stream of devices and so on. But as for the blogging, I, I really don't see that much future in it for me because I noticed when I do the Google Plus posts with things I wanted to talk about, I don't really get the feedback like you do because what you write is really interesting to read and you get the, the feedback and so on. But I get it mostly from videos and that's that's where will be my main focus. And I will mostly do the videos if I... I still will get Dell devices, maybe Lenovo, and the rest I hope will come with time. 
but that's pretty much my main focus and besides that we are we will be doing this podcast and the google plus hangouts and i think that's quite a good amount of content and overall i also plan like you said with lifestyle i wanted to do like the questions for the mere videos and so on what i do they didn't really go off yet and I think the last months didn't went so well in terms of the views and so on. But I will try to do that some, a little bit more because the Vice reviews is always, if you like, like also you do it on the on the site. You just don't get the devices, so of course you can't really rely on those for your main stream of content on the channel. So I mean, as always, guys, you know, Demir and I try to be uh, unique and and, and kind of separate ourselves from what everybody else is doing. Um, if you want to see like the latest iPhones or the latest Android phones, you may not get that here. Um, and the reason why is because we try not to oversaturate the the stream of information that's already out there. Usually, when a new phone comes out, you're gonna get about eight to ten videos unboxings from eight to ten different channels and it's pretty much all going to be the same you may get some slight variation from here to there in the commentary but essentially you're going to get the same review uh demir and i try not to do that and we try to bring um either content and or hardware that um may not be very well known or may not be as popular and try to bring that to um to light uh, and try to bring that to a lot of people's attention and so that way when you go out there you understand that there's more than just the Apple iPhone or the, you know, the uh, iPad or whatever, uh, whatever the big thing is. And, you know, that Dell actually makes some very good devices mm -hmm. and, and, and HP makes some very good devices. Um, so we're going to really focus on the little guy, I think, this year. 2015 is probably going to be the year of the little guy. Um, that, and you'll see that from uh, from me and Demir uh, mm. this year. Yeah, and actually that's a really good point because I noticed if you want to be successful, you have to do two things. Either you are amongst the very first doing a video or you do devices that nobody really knows. Because when I watch my statistics, the videos that did good for me was either like a Sony device that got out earlier in Europe and I got it or my most uh, like like I said viewed videos are more Windows devices that just didn't get covered by all the Android sites and so on because it was a Windows device and so on so if you want a little bit of achievement you can you have to do either the stuff very early or rare things because you can't just keep up with all the big channels because they get their devices earlier and they get every device. So you have to really rely on more unique content these days. And so with that, guys, uh, see, you guys just learned a little something about the uh, the challenges of being a YouTuber, blogger, and uh, Demir and I right now have been living the challenge of, of trying to get a podcast off the ground. Yeah. It is not easy. No. Um, <laughs> no, Especially no. the whole creation process, getting everything right. You need the art cover. You need the server. You need that whole thing and the last time you did it on the droid effect I, I didn't really see how much actual work it is and the whole setup process the first one is actually that is a lot of work once that is done i hope the basics then it will get easier because i think all the people noticed we did the first episode and almost two months later we are doing the second right now but we hope to do this right now on a regular frequent schedule and then people will also start following yeah, so one so one more time. Again, we're going to be recording on Fridays or Saturdays, and we're going to be releasing these on Mondays. Uh, now, Demir and I have committed to doing this at least twice a month. Uh, we're going to try to do this every week, but right now we are tying our hands together 
And uh, basically, by hook or crook, we will do two of these. So at least you get two of these podcasts uh, yep. a month from us. Because yeah, because we also have our hangouts. We do the public ones on on yeah the public hangouts on YouTube. We also have with people, our listeners and our viewers. So that's also coming like every two or three weeks still. So so without any further ado, let's jump into uh, CES. Uh, for those who don't know, that's the Consumer Electronics Show 2015. Um, and just general thoughts before we jump into some of the topic areas, Demir. For me, I felt like this was a lot bigger year than I initially anticipated. Mm -hmm. they, they had a lot going on. Yeah, I agree. Um, so, I mean, when, when, when day one or day zero kicked off and, um, you know, some of the, the more prominent YouTubers and, and tech sites uh, hit the ground and they, they hit the ground running immediately, we got photographs, we got video, we got audio, we got interviews um, from day zero uh, and, and on. And uh, I'd, I'd say so far as what we saw throughout the course of the week, uh, I would break it out into a couple different subsections, but there was just so much hardware that Demir and I, uh, it's funny, we, we had this intention of doing the podcast and, and covering everything, but we couldn't do that in a 45-minute stint. And if you guys follow us, you know that Demir and I are talkers, and we can go two hours. We do it every <laughs> time we're with you guys. So we're going to try to keep it at 45 minutes. So Demir and I, as always, Demir followed a lot of the uh, the PC and uh, laptop, smartphone, mobile type stuff. And, and I actually found myself this year, again, it's kind of one of those signs of the times with 2015, I actually strayed more toward the the fitness wearables and the home automation stuff, and that was not by design for me and Demir. That was literally mm -hmm. Demir's like, "Hey, did you watch? See, did you cover? Did you see anything in CES?" I said, "Yeah, they had these fitness things," and he's like, "Oh, yeah, I just I didn't even see that. I looked at the PCs." Yeah, but this way we cover everything because you covered the one part with the home automation and the fitness thing, and I was covering more of the PC stuff and also some of the Android stuff. And that's also one thing for all the listeners right now, because I think most of our listeners are Android users, and there wasn't that much Android stuff on the CS, but we didn't really expect that much. We got a few big ones like the LG G Flex 2 and so on, but otherwise the Consumer Electronics Show is more about consumer electronic as it says because we had a lot of tvs we had washing machines we had of course pcs we had auto um, android auto we had home automation and all this stuff so it's really there's anything for everyone there so i think if you were if you are into android there will be things like wm mwc and so on but here android wasn't a big thing so uh, that was actually a perfect segue into uh, the first uh, product that we uh, that we uh, and and guys, th this is not all inclusive of everything that's there. We actually had just some things that kind of stood out to us. So the first thing is the uh, LG G Flex Two. Um, so I wasn't really a fan of the uh, LG G Flex original. Um, for me, it was a little too much phone. Uh, just too big. I think anybody who knows me, 4.7 to 5 is my is my sweet spot. The original was kind of big. This one, Demir, uh, from what I saw, was smaller. Yeah, 5.5 inches. And But also, there's one thing, because right now it is the current flagship from LG, because it has the Snapdragon 8010. It has a 1080p screen, which is totally fine. It is a plastic AMOLED or OLED screen, and it has also the faster healing. But for me, the one thing that actually 
stands out to be not that interesting for me is the curve because everyone is talking about the curve and maybe it's one thing you have to see or actually feel to get excited about it because when I saw in person the LG G Flex 1 of course it was six inches and it was very big but I didn't like and I didn't see the curve to be anything interesting and I really don't want to judge the Flex 2 yet until I see it but for me it's a great phone but I would actually prefer without the curve but what are your thoughts I I, I yeah I I'm with you I saw I saw the the original G Flex it was way too big the curve uh, 100% agree uh the curve wasn't a thing for me um and I feel like the curve is not going to be a thing for me um yeah and that applies to TVs as well I I get it uh but you know the the curve on a phone just it it looks odd um i can't sit it flat on a on a surface it's yeah it's always it's gonna rock at all times and yeah and it will be a mess in the, in the pockets because in when yeah. i when i put it in my jeans i have it vertical and then the flex would bulge out of my tra of my out of my pockets and i don't see this to be anything really comfortable in to to wear Yeah, and, and uh, for me, the 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 interesting thing about the G Flex is definitely the self healing. Uh, I, <laughs> I am fascinated by that. I know it's not like perfect, but uh, I feel like that there's another application of that that we can we can see in the future with that self healing uh, technology that they have going on with that device. Yeah, I yeah, want to see that. Yeah, but actually, I don't see the fast uh, the the self healing as really a good thing because if you see. Because of the self-healing, you need a glossy device which attracts right. more fingerprints and will be more slippery. But the thing is also, if you watched a few videos where a few YouTubers took the key and pressed a little bit harder, they make the big scratch. A really big one where you on, on a normal phone wouldn't have made. And these scratches don't heal because they are really those really shallow, small scratches that go away only in terms of color. But you will still see... Uh, a scratch and that's why i'm not really such a big fan i like the idea of the self-healing but the way of a plastic with a glossy coating that's not really the way to go and i would really prefer if they would have used something like on the g3 this brushed aluminum look that was fine it wasn't slippery it didn't attract really much fingerprints and it was still grippy but this current version doesn't seem to be the right one for me Yeah, so so overall, the the LG G Flex 2, um, uh, the jury's still out. Yeah, I think Demir and I both sure. are very. I think we're both very cautious about uh, passing judgment on any device without at least holding it and spending some time with it. So um, I would say overall, looks like it's a it's a another iteration of the original G Flex. I would say um, like all iterations, it looks a little bit more refined. Yeah, definitely. Um, definitely more for the main market. The old one was just to show off the stuff. N right now, those highlights are actually usable uh, for a mainstream device because you have a 1080p screen, which now is up to standard. It is not QHD, but that's a good thing. And with the Snapdragon 810, it should be performing really well. But uh, did you maybe see the, the, their version of Lollipop? What are your thoughts about that? Because I'm not really digging it. It doesn't really look that great. Yes, uh, I'm. I 100. percent uh, I'm not a. Uh, I, I just don't. I don't like LG skin of of lollipop. Um, it it just doesn't feel. Doesn't look. It, there's the colors and and yeah, the, the colors. The colors. Yeah, bother me. 
Um, and, and, and that's for me, that's it. The, the color palette of it. And, and I know it's Android and I know our listeners are going to say, well, you can change that. And, yeah, but, and you're right. yeah, but, but in my opinion, they don't even use the material colors. They use another different style of colors. And this will maybe bite itself with the material designed apps. Yeah, I, I, I could not agree with you more. Um, yeah. LG, I mean, again, LG, uh, from a hardware perspective, I love the knock on features of their devices. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're doing a lot of innovative things, but the 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 skin for LG this year did not does not wow me. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and and that's it. I know it can be changed, but it's you know, not there. But no, Demir, hundred percent agree. Mm -hmm. So so we're, we do we want to move on to the other LG? Yeah, uh -huh. exactly because so, that's the one thing they they do lollipop in a different style. And for their next wearable, they also decided not to even use Android Wear. They used yes. Web Web OS for their LG Audio Watch. And and yet right now we don't even know if this watch will even be for the mainstream market because right now it looks like more for a small limited version when you maybe buy an Audi or so. But in terms of premium look and actual design this watch really seems like one of the best so far yeah and, and you know it got a lot of buzz um it was actually one of those things where I, I saw in an article that was saying it was the best watch there but it wasn't based on android or you know or apple yeah, yeah. of course and, and so now we see um i don't want to say the resurrection of web os but mm -hmm. You know, we we're seeing WebOS again. Yeah, and yeah. But 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 I would but I would like to know is the thought behind why did they use WebOS? Because WebOS will get less adoption for sure because we won't get the apps so far. So I'm not really sure if it's that smart not to use Android Wear these days. Well, and you know, I I think that that's a very good point. And you got to ask yourself: is is this specifically for Audi? Um, yeah. I mean, of course it is, but Maybe the reason why they went WebOS, it it doesn't feel like LG would uh, separate themselves from Android in any way, shape, or form because mm -hmm. they are so invested. Um, they've been partners with Google now, strong partners for, mm -hmm. for the past two years, um, even so far as making the Nexus devices over a two-year stint. Um, and uh, you know, and to separate themselves from Google, I, I got to believe that this is just a the contract thing. You yeah, know? but yeah, but who knows? Maybe they will use this prototype and maybe do some kind of Android Wear version of it at some point, maybe a little bit cheaper, and then it will be okay for the Android Wear market again. Yeah, it, Lord knows, I hope so, because it's a, it's a very, very nice, it's mm -hmm. a nice piece of tech, very nice piece of tech. Um, okay, so let's move on to uh, who I think is was probably the OEM to beat last year. I know it's probably one of your favorite OEMs. We're going to move into the Sony section. Mm -hmm. Um and again, you know, we're covering the wearables and the uh, and the mobile stuff. So Sony Smartwatch Three, uh, yeah. steel, steel. So what was um, I saw it? Uh, it Design-wise, it was very reminiscent of the previous. Yeah. So basically, it is the Sony Smartwatch Three right now, but with a more elegant and stylish steel armband. The only thing I'm not that big of a fan, and we talked about that a bit earlier, is the matte finish. Because if you have something like steel, I think it would be nice. It would be some polished steel and not that, that matte, because that matte actually made it look more like plastic and cheaper again. So I'm not really sure if that was the right decision. Otherwise, it is really nice in terms of the design. Yes, and uh, and again, uh, being being that it's a steel watch, I'm always curious about the um, the bands. Uh, you know what what you can do so far as switching bands in and out. 
uh, and and because uh, again, it's a watch. Mm-hmm. Um, and all wearables, all the smartwatches. I think one thing that I did see come out of CES this year was that a lot of the wearables were designed in a way to be more fashionable and less techy. Yeah, geeky. they definitely did improve in that term. Yeah, because it was only the really first ones, like the LG G Watch and maybe the Gear from Samsung. Otherwise, until after that, then they decided to actually make nice-looking watches and not just functional ones. And yeah. That's really a good thing. Yeah. yeah, and I think the next thing we should just maybe briefly talk about is Sony's 4K Android TV. Because Sony announced every Bravia TV of 2015 will have Android TV. So that's quite nice since you have Chromecast and so on. Really nice. And it was that, also super thin, even thinner as the current Sony Xperia phone. Yeah, that that is a huge deal for uh, for Google to have a partner like uh, like Sony say that Every TV that they're going to push out is going to be um, supportive yep. of, of 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 Google TV. Yeah, and, and uh, God, that is such a huge deal. Um, and Sony already makes some of the best TVs on the market. They're they're pricey, but um, yeah. But, but they, the important thing is also they use this as a standard that is already set, and they don't skin it. They use it as it is, and that's the right decision for sure. Because oh, once yeah, you start putting your own skin on on Android TV, it doesn't really make any sense anymore. Especially but, if you change maybe your TV at some point, and you will have to accustom again. Yeah, and and I'm gonna deviate from the show notes here just for a second, but. You know, seeing that Sony is doing this and seeing, you know, um, what these TVs are now being. It's not like the TVs of old or the TV I bought two years ago, uh, my Samsung, where you get this crappy, you know, interface. Uh, I mean, you're getting Android TV interface. So from a consumer perspective, I mean, this could be the year 2015. And there's other articles, I'm sure, that have, that already say this. But this could be the year where a lot of a lot more people, I'll say here in the U.S., begin to cut the court because you're going to come with mm-hmm. these TVs. They're going to be baked. Netflix, Hulu, uh, all the apps on your phone are going to be baked into your television. And it's going to be so much easier for you to sit down in front of your TV and look at pictures from your phone or play videos from your device. And and that may begin to shift the uh, the public opinion of um, cord cutting. Yeah, but and, uh, okay. it, cause no, it's there. But, no, but actually, since you already mentioned that, isn't it maybe something you would maybe prefer if you would have a a standalone device like maybe the Nexus Player or something like Razer showed or do you actually want a smart TV? Because usually, for example, my brother, he has a Sony TV with smart capability but he still uses his old standalone device because it does all the stuff even better anyways. Yeah, and and that's a very good point. I think, you know, this is the transition. I think there's a transition here. Um, so my smart TV has that stuff baked in, right? But the interface is so terrible. Yeah, yeah. And so clunky that I won't use it. Yeah, that's and, my point. And, yeah, and, and I have a box because the interface, it's easier, it's simple. But it, this is where Sony was very smart about this. They're using, you know, Google's interface. And it's simple. It's point and click. Um, and I think as long as the interface is right, a lot of people won't go buy the android tv because it's already baked into their television yeah sure sure but again the transition is going to be no one's going to people don't buy tvs once a year they buy them once every seven years you know or once it dies so um i mean i think that this is a a good first step but it's probably going to be some years we're in the transition years now before people actually start picking these tvs up Mm -hmm. 
Um, so okay. I would like to round up Sony and just briefly talk about the Sony Walkman ZX2 because it is a $1,200 audio player with Android 4.2. What are your what, thoughts? I I, what, I don't know where they were going with this. <laughs> I, 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 can, can, did, could you explain this? I, I, I don't uh, know. The only, the only way I see they wanted to make a, a player for the audio file, maybe as a competitor to the Pono player from Neil Young. So it will improve on your existing MP3 files and so on. But otherwise, I, I, I'm not really sure if it had to be that expensive because you can use high quality components, but not to be that expensive. And the reason it, it uses Android 4.2 also makes it a bit less desirable, actually, because under the hood, you have Android, which you have on every smartphone. So why would you buy and separate Walkman just to get what you already can do with your phone. Okay, with maybe better quality, but do most of the people really need that? Of course, it is for the niche market for the audiophiles, but how many of those need a portable audio player in the first place? Well, and that's and that's twelve hundred bucks yeah. for, for for that. And then, uh, as you said, I mean, we're talking audiophiles here, but it's a mobile device, mm -hmm. so isn't isn't that quality still going to be limited by the connection that you have? Yeah. Um, you know, and, and that's the other piece of this is you're still streaming this stuff. I, I mean, you can put it on there and hardwire it in and save it, but yeah, I don't, I don't, I mean, it, it's for a niche market. I just don't know what market that yeah. is. And yeah. yeah, I think we will have to see. I don't think it will be a success, but that's more be, they made it more for, to show off what it will be maybe possible at some future point, but I don't really think even Sony sees this as something they will make money off. Yeah, I, I, I yeah, agreed, agreed. Okay. Okay. Um, so, um, Demir, I'm going to leave this one to you, the Tegra X1. Yeah, um, actually, there's not that much to talk about, but because I didn't really follow it because, again, it is a Tegra, but the issue is right now, and with all the Tegras, it's still the same issue. You won't really get the device for it to use it because the Tegra X1 for right now is made for Android Auto and showed off in autos. And you will maybe get it in maybe one or two like laptops and maybe a tablet or so, but it won't get really available for the mainstream market, not anytime soon. So I'm not really, I don't think we have to take a deeper look into that. It is meant to be powerful and so on, but from what I also saw, it, there are Intel chipsets that are already more powerful than the X1. And so far, Tegra didn't convince me that much in the first place anyways, ever. So, yeah, Tegra really... NVIDIA has problems getting into the mobile market, at least on phones, actually. And and, and the next one, uh, and again, I'm, I'm relying on your, your expertise here, uh, the Razer Forge TV... Um, and we talked about this a little bit offline, uh -huh. uh, but Razer, um, being the company, yep, um, it has. They began to actually make a splash last year. And granted, I'm talking for the consumer market. I'm not talking about for the geek market. Um, but you know, they they've had products that's been around for a bit. Um, mostly, I've I've noticed the the computing side of of Razer, and and I believe that's the same company. Yeah, yeah, they they make the mice and the keyboards yeah. and so on. Yeah, and that's where I first picked up on it, and they have a very, in my in my view, a very aggressive design. But uh, you know, tell us a little bit about this uh, this this TV. So, for everyone who doesn't know what Forge TV is, it is practically a kind of competitor for the Nexus TV uh, for isn't the Nexus Player. It is equipped with a Snapdragon 801, 
but the main thing here it is it is as all Razer stuff is for the gaming part. So you will get a lot of accessories. You will get a Wi-Fi Direct controller. You will be able to use Razer's game streaming service. But you will also have all the Chromecast features which you get from the Nexus player. And it also costs just eight, um, $99. So I think if you plan on getting a Nexus player and don't have a smart TV, I think right now the Razer Forge TV seems to be definitely the better version since you also get a Snapdragon which is supported by all the games so will you, you will get great gaming power you will get wi-fi direct so no latency at all you can play your pc games at your tv so i think this could be quite a device and if anyone can pull it off it could be razor so so let me so let me get this straight so i get i get the gaming from razor uh which is pc the pc quality games yeah i get chromecast capability uh-huh so, very interestingly, this actually strikes my fancy. Uh, I will probably be picking this one up. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, because definitely. I I don't see any reason to get the Nexus player if you can get something like this that has all the same functionality, even more powerful and even way more because you get the many accessories you won't be able to get because the the controller they deliver. And you will also get a really quite nice thing. It, it's called the Razer Turret. And I didn't explain you what that is because it is a really nice thing because you get something like a magnet table where you have a keyboard and you also can slide out uh, some sort of mouse pad. But the mouse pad itself actually is magnetic. And the mouse you get with it will be magnetically attached to it, but you can still use it. But this way you can use the mouse and the keyboard, for example, on your laps, on your couch, but the mouse won't slip off. So if you want to play ego shooters or anything, first-person shooters on your TV with this, you can do this way more comfortable as you could with any other device. So I think people who saw the turret and talked about it were actually pretty excited about it. So if anyone can maybe bring mobile gaming onto the tv right now this seems to be the way to do it yeah and and, and i have to say um I, I think you bring up a very good point uh why would i pick up a nexus tv android tv and google tv whatever we want to call it mm -hmm. I, we, we're i think we all are going to have problems with that for a while um yeah. <laughs> but when i sit down in front of my tv and i have a box yeah i'm gonna i would love to be able to play video games on it and not the the, the mirroring games from my phone to that's still awkward when you're playing from a, pa a tablet to your com to your com uh, your TV. What I'd want is a, a dedicated uh, controller. I mean, this is perfect for the casual gamer. This is almost, you know, it reminds me of um, a better done. And I'll say, if it's executed appropriately, it would be a better Ouya. Uh, yeah, or type something device. like the Fire TV, maybe. Because, yeah. Because you will actually get the Google content that you don't get on the Fire TV. And and that and that is a win. Okay, yeah. uh -huh. so so let's move on to the uh, the ASUS Zenfone two. Yeah, uh, and and I'll let you uh, go ahead and go through. So ASUS gave us a couple different things so far as the mobile space is concerned, and uh, I know that um, Amir was was all over um, ASUS and, and and following them as well as uh, like Lenovo. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so the big thing on the Zenfone 2, the two main big things they showed off everyone was it is the first phone with a 4 gigabyte of RAM option and for a price of 199 Of course, the 199 won't be the 4 gigabyte version. That one will have only 2 gigabytes, maybe a lower CPU. I think not the 50, uh, the 3580 like the big one will have. I think it will be only the 3560 or so, but you will get a comparatively really high-end device for a low price the only thing that i that i'm not so a fan of they showed off the four gigabyte version 
and they showed off the big one with the CPU, but only talked about the 199 price tag. But they never talked about how much the price actually for the 4 gigabyte version is. And that's for me quite disappointing to see because you can't announce a flagship with the low price the flagship doesn't have anyways. So that's a bit of a bummer. But the device seems solid, but I think in terms of bezels and so on, they could have maybe done a bit better work. But yeah, it seems a good device. Like. I mean, do you? Uh, who 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 would you say this? Who who is this phone for? Is this um, is this a big market consumer product or is this no, uh, no, Asia no. specific? Is it? Yeah, I think I mean, this would... will be more for the budget market. Okay. Because yeah, it's it's you also have to consider this is an Intel chipset and the Intel chipset yeah. still isn't made for the mainstream. Even though from the in terms of performance it would be good enough, but still no one really considers ASUS to be a flagship premium phone manufacturer, even though yep. they could. Yep. So uh, so next one is the uh, ASUS Zenfone Zoom. With the uh, with the three times uh, optical optical zoom, yeah. So uh, what they did here, if you look at it from the back, it looks pretty much like the, the Nokia Lumia 1020. So you have this big Oreo at the back. But one thing they achieved, and I don't really want wanna don't want to get into detail about how they did the optical zoom. But what what I got is you have some kind of prism that reflects the light, and with this way you have. Uh, downwards it is kind of a three times optical zoom i don't really get how it actually works but it seems to be good and it uses a 16 megapixel camera so it, it should be a good camera actually on a phone because right now we still have the issue either you have a camera phone with a really great camera that has phone functionalities or you have a really good phone with an okay camera and we still haven't seen a flagship phone with a flagship camera so maybe this could be closer to it but i still don't think on the phone part they will deliver what it needs to and and the last thing we saw or not the last thing we saw from asus but the thing that that demir and i saw uh from asus was the uh the asus tablet convertibles yeah that, that was their G, so, li G lineup. So practically it's all the same device in three different sizes. You have an 8.9-inch device, a 10-inch device, 10.1, and a 13-inch device. And what they differ, the 8.9 and 10-inch device have the Intel Atom CPU, so completely fanless and so on. You will have a detachable keyboard. And the 13 one in practically is a 13-inch tablet with a keyboard dock. But here you will get the Broadwell 5th generation Haswell CPU. So this is more like a MacBook Pro competitor and so on. So that's, uh, and you know, that's good because again, and, and I think you hit the nail on the head, MacBook Pro competitor. Um, and I think we need a lot more, I think we need more co competition uh, in that market. Yeah. I think Asus, and as well as uh, Lenovo, who's the ne um, the next OEM we're going to move on to, has mm. done a very good job uh, so far as uh, tablet convertible, so far as uh, small laptops and things of that nature mm -hmm. um, in that market. Um, okay, so uh, the next one uh, is 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 a line from Lenovo. So we're going to jump to the Lenovo section here, and this is a line that the Yoga series. I have always been a fan of the Yoga series, um, but since I'm not really a Windows user. Uh, I haven't really gotten a chance to pick one up, um, but always a fan of the, of the Lenovo series. So um, tell us about the new yogas. So uh, the first two I will talk about is the Lenovo Yoga uh, 3, the 13-inch and the 11-inch. And I think these will be the most favorite ones people will actually buy. The 11-inch the has a Core M, 
which is noiseless. You have a 1080p screen. It will be quite lightweight and you will, of course, have the yoga with the four modes, so the tent mode, the presentation mode and so on. And I think since I'm already I'm right now reviewing a Core M device and I have to say performance-wise, it is really good. It is no um, iCore U series, but for normal tasks, if you don't want to make heavy video editing and so on, this is a really nice device because it is completely silent portable and lightweight with overall good qualities and what the 13 inch is it is in my from what i see it's a yoga 2 pro with a 1080p screen but this time you also get the nvidia card option so but this one has already the the u series cpu from has uh, the broadwell if you want a 13 inch yoga this could be a good option but i i'm not really that much into the 14 inch anyways but the 11 one seems really good and uh, and again, so again, uh, aside from the three and the fourteen, and the eleven, the thirteen, the fourteen, and the eleven inch uh, yogas, we also got a, a new ThinkPad. Yeah, and I think uh, I, I will uh, I will cover the next three just real quick because yep. there is not really that much to talk. The Lenovo Yoga ThinkPad 15 is pretty much the same as the Lenovo Yoga ThinkPad 12. So a 15 inch one, same as the Yoga. It has the four modes, Broadwell and so on. Not really that exciting. But it's a good device. The next thing that really made a big fuss and everyone was talking really high. But the issue here on the next device, the Lenovo LaVie Z13, is it is the lightest touch laptop with only 926 grams. But you get, you get a full-fledged device. It is a full Ultrabook. So on the level of a MacBook Pro. But the issue is... It is made by Lenovo and by NEC, and I think it won't ever made it to Europe or US. It will be stay in Asia. That's the issue. But the next, the last device for Lenovo is the Lenovo, uh, the ThinkPad X1 Carbon. So this is again a ThinkPad, but this time they improved on what they did wrong last time because last time they, they tried to do a touch strip with FN buttons, but a lot of people complained about that because they didn't work right and they did make. Hardware buttons again with the old touchpad. So it is a refined X1 Carbon, but that's pretty much it. And not really that interesting. And that's why I think we should move over to Dell. Yes. So Dell. I've ne I never thought I would actually be excited about Dell. They've, yeah. they've, never, been, they've never really been my company. But um, before we came on the air, uh, and, and this is the device we're about to get into now. I, I, first time I saw it was this morning, thanks to Demir, because Demir was uh, up before me. <laughs> but um, <laughs> the Dell Venue 8 7000 um, yeah. tablet. Yeah, um, and it's an Android device from Dell, which isn't really something that usual because they didn't really release any successful Android device so far. But this could be the one. The only issue right now could be the price of $399 for an 8-inch tablet. It's a bit hefty, but therefore you get a really compelling device. At least it looks like it. Well, and, and, and this is also the one, Demir, with the speaker. Uh, correct the speak the odd speaker placement. Yeah, the issue is you have the device itself is six millimeters thin, and you have on, on three sides almost no bezel at all. But therefore, at the bottom you have quite a big one. So if you use it in portrait mode, it seems quite nice to use. But if you use it in landscape, like we t already talked a little bit about that before, you won't really have any any place to hold on to. That's maybe yeah, an that issue. Yeah, you've got that one side where the one speaker is, and the speaker extends exactly. the length of the tablet. Yeah. Uh, the problem is that that bump out 
if you hold it in the landscape, it looks like, and again, this is just from what we've seen, mm-hmm. looks like you're, you're, you're gonna, it's going to play hell on your thumbs so far as trying to get to the center of that tablet. So gaming might not be uh, that comfortable. But again, if you're using this tablet for productivity, reading magazines, if you're a casual user, yeah. this actually may be a very good yeah, yeah. tablet for the casual uh, tablet user. Yeah, and I should get a review on it. I'm really excited about it because in terms of hardware design, they did quite a nice job because it uses mm-hmm. the Intel Z3580. And one thing they really want to make a big fuss about, I don't really see that to be interesting because it has the real sense camera. So this means you have a 3D camera at the back and you have a yeah. lot of... But for me, that's mostly gimmicky stuff because you know what most people think about tablet cameras anyways. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, then, and then the whole 3D thing has, has not mm-hmm. done well yeah. <laughs> at all. No, yeah, oh, oh, for, from, no, from what I saw, the real sense seems to be a different approach and it seems to work out quite good because it also can recognize your hand and you can make like movements in front of the camera on the front as well. But I think the issue could be the price with $399. Uh, that could be, a deal. especially well, if you are a brand that isn't really known for flagship Android tablets. If it would right. be, if it would have been $400 and the Samsung device, people know that they can get away with it. But if it's built Dell, they should have maybe get down to maybe 299 and, and, and you know what, Demir? Typically, I would say three ninety nine. You're getting into uh, Nexus territory. Yeah. I would usually say that. Yeah. But uh, I guess I can't say that this year because the uh, the Nexus tablet this year was a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, expensive. A, a, yeah, and it's a bummer. It's not really that premium. At least the Dell looks like it will be premium. It does. It does. Yeah. Um, and next is the the, the Dell View XPS. Um, which oh, oh always... I said Dell Venue. That's actually not even true. It's just Dell the, XPS. You mean the Dell XPS? Yeah, 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 yeah. The, <laughs> the Dell XPS, which is the always been for me there. Um, and, and this is an ultra book, but it's always been there for me. The XPS line has always been for gaming. Um, but you uh, go ahead with the 13 inch uh, Dell XPS. So I already did review the last year's uh, XPS 12, which was a convertible because it has this hinge to turn around. The 13 again is just a normal ultrabook, but what makes it so special in this t- in this case, it has super slim bezels and it's pretty much one of the first mainstream ultrabooks that has the option for either a 1080p anti glare non touch display or if you want a 3200 by 1800 glare touchscreen option so you can decide what you want what i would have wished for would have been a 1080p glare version without touchscreen because i don't really want a ultrabook with a touchscreen i don't really if i have one to review i never really used it but i want glare because of course most people don't want it outside the glare because of the reflections and so on but i use my device mostly at home and glare devices just have the more vivid colors and sharper screen well, you know, is it, I mean, and is it me, but I feel like, uh, I feel like, you know, uh, touchscreen laptops and curves are like, they're trying to make these a thing and they haven't quite become a thing yet. And no, I, don't know if- I think, I think lo- a lot of people like the, the touchscreen option and it is okay. Sometimes it is really nice, but I think a, a touchscreen is something I would prefer more on a convertible where I have the tablet option, but if it's a laptop only device because right now i'm still using the macbook pro which hasn't any touchscreen capabilities but i also never miss them because if the touchpad is working nicely but in in terms of the xps 13 it is a 13 inch ultrabook almost an l11.6 ultrabook um, casing 
and it only weighs 1.2 kilos so th what they did in terms of hardware design is really impressive and if the other components like the display and performance wise it will be great then this could be i think the best ultra book and i also i today i recorded my um, questions for the mirror fourth episode and one a person asked what was my highlight of the cs 2015 and i have to say this device is my highlight yeah so there you have it yeah demir has a highlight yeah um so okay so this one i know nothing about so i'm gonna let you take this one demir okay with the, with the sagas yeah but that's i i just mentioned it because every other youtube channel and every other blog did mention it it is the sagas v2 and then this is called the 320 gigabyte phone. But what it actually is, it is a phone with 64 gigabytes of internal storage. And the the special thing is you have two SD card slots with a, with every one of 128 uh, gigabytes. So you have 320 gigabytes. If you need that, it's one thing you have to decide. And otherwise, you have top of the line specs. So the newest Snapdragon 1080p. I, may, I think it even has, and I think it has a QHD screen and a 3000 milliampere battery and so on. But also the thing is, the hardware design seems to be quite okay. But it is Sega's, so I think nobody else knows it, and it only made a fuss of the 320 gigabytes. So if they wouldn't have that, I think no one would even have mentioned that phone. So yeah. Yeah. So um. So next is the so okay, everyone knows I love Chromebooks. I've got, I've lost count how many of them I have on my house. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Acer, Acer. Uh, oh well, I'm sorry. Actually, I'm skipping around, but we'll, we'll, I no, you can actually skip anyway. it because I'm I don't really know what to talk about uh, Oculus Rift. They did show it <laughs> off, but I think once uh, at least uh, once you didn't see it live in person, there's not really much to talk about. It's, <laughs> it is maybe the next level of VR gaming, but I think we both can't really talk about that, so we can skip yeah. that. Yeah, Oculus. I, I want, I want to try it. I, I, I can't. I, I'm like you though. I, I can't talk about it because it's, it's right now. It's just a thing you put on your head, and it seems like it's cool, but I don't, I don't have any experience with it. So, yeah. Uh, Acer released uh, the 15-inch Chromebook um, at CES 15, and actually they're, they're saying 15.6-inch display. So, yeah. 0.6. Um, Aside from the display, though, um, it's it's got a Core i3. Um, I think it's even up to i5. Yeah, well, it, it, yeah, and it has a fifth generation Core uh, micro architecture, according to their their um, their website. So, a fifteen inch Chromebook. Um, I, I don't know. For me, as a Chromebook user, you start getting up to the fifteen inches, and again, maybe it's just the the old man in me. When if I'm getting a 15 inch computer, I'm not gonna get a 15 inch Chromebook. Yeah, um, because that's what I wanted to ask you. Because you used a lot of Chromebooks, and I, I, most of the things I, from what I know, Chromebooks are meant to be cheap and so on. And is a 15 inch a viable size for a Chromebook? I just you know for for me, and I think for probably a lot of Chromebook users, once I get up to a 15, if I'm buying a 15 inch laptop, I'm doing video editing, I'm doing photo editing, yeah. I'm I'm really using that that system at, at 15 inches you know 11 to 13 is probably more of a casual size for me you know i'm just doing web browsing or something like that 15 inch screen i'm doing something very very productive um and so for me a 15 inch chromebook just does not do much for me at all um mm -hmm. and 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 that may contradict what i always say about chromebooks being very useful and they are but 
I've always said that if you're going to do something like extensive photo editing, extensive music editing or audio editing or fo- or video editing of any type, a Chromebook is just not the device to do that on. And that's simply because the software isn't there. Neither is the power. So what are your thoughts and why did Acer decide to do that in your opinion? I, I feel like Acer is doing this because, um, I mean, Acer is a big player in the Chromebook market. Um, yeah, yeah. So, she, you know, to, right now it's Acer uh, and Toshiba. They're, you know, they're pretty much when you walk into a store, those are the big two that you're going to see um, sitting on the on the um, on the countertops. I mean, Samsung as well. But I mean, a lot of people when I look at the, the Chromebook users, I know a lot of people pick up Acer Chromebooks. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think a lot of this may be because they're reacting to the, the statistics of education. Um, you know, so maybe they're they're making this 15 inch form factor for education. Not sure what their mindset is here, but I would say that so far as a 15 inch Chromebook is concerned, it, it's not something that really strikes me as something that I would pick up. If I'm going to get a 15 inch device, I'm looking at a, you know, a a, a Mac Pro, a MacBook Pro, mm-hmm. yeah, um, you know, something like that. Yeah, and so what I think is also, I think they just just did the first 15 inch just to cover the ground and see if maybe people will adopt it or not. Just more like a test test run and not really yeah something yeah, I they think, expect and I think to that's, run well yeah i think that's a fair point as well i mean again they're they're more or less one of the front runners in the in the chromebook market and and i i agree demir it's one of those things where you know you throw it out there you throw spaghetti against the wall and see if it sticks and yeah, if it sticks yeah. hey you're the first to get it out there exactly. so um I, I think it's a good test run i think it's a good test mm-hmm. run so um okay so next we got the uh, hp stream mini so I will I will cover this I will round this up Please. real quick before you will yeah. take over because the next thing is more for you. But what the next is about is what Intel showed off. They showed off a lot of mini and micro PCs, and in this case, the HP Stream Mini, which is an Intel Atom-based micro PC, and also they showed off the Pavilion Mini, which is an iCore-based. So what these are also what they showed off was the Intel Broadwell Nooks and the Intel Compute Stick. So these are all micro or even um, USB stick sized full fledged Windows 8.1 machines. So if, if it's only an Atom, maybe it's not that powerful, but if you want to use it as maybe a home theater PC and that is maybe portable and so on, these things are quite nice. And if you want a little bit more power, you get something like the Nooks with real i5s, i7s, U-series, and they are quite capable and you can run full-fledged desktop PCs on that without a big set. And I even think of picking one of them up maybe at some point because they are really nice if you want something small. But that's it pretty much, and I will leave the next thing to you. Yeah, and, and uh, one last thing on those micro PCs. Yeah. It, it seems like they're. Um, it seems like that's like really convenient. I mean, it's nothing like having a PC, a full PC in your pocket. Yeah, and I actually think this could be the next trend because I tested yeah. a micro micro PC and I saw people, a few people commenting, and they said it's a quite nice thing if you have a full desktop PC that is maybe as big as a. I don't know. I can't really compare it, but like really something small and convenient to use everywhere. So yeah. Yeah. So um, for the next topic, I'm, I'm going to skip around a bit, but we had um, I, I came across an interesting video from Dom over at um, not he did a video for Nine to Five Mac, and if you're not following Dom, uh, he makes some very very great, very nice videos on his YouTube channel. But he he ran down uh, some of the top smart home tech, and we'll have the uh, hopefully we'll have that link in the show notes if it if it works with us again. We're mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know we're we're doing this, um, but. 
that for me, like I said in the beginning, 2015 is going to be a big thing for me so far as home automation. Now, uh, you guys may be familiar with uh, our friend and, and colleague uh, Armando Ferreira, who does a lot of the the home automation right now. And I would say up until this point, the state of home automation has been kind of a, a tinkerer's world. So you know, you can put an app on your phone and then you know put in some code and blah blah blah. It's not hasn't really been the most user friendly way of. Um, of automating things around your house. Well, now we're seeing with the introduction of Nest, and uh, now we also have Honeywell getting into the game, that home automation is a thing. And um, these companies are now investing into this very heavily. So uh, uh, some of the things that we saw from Dom in his video, um, you know, we saw that Wemo, Wemo is a company that basically has a ton of devices, uh, things from key ring sensors to motion sensors to alarm sensors to window and door sensors for your home. Basically, they add it to those, um, that plethora of, of smart devices. And these devices are literally plug and play. You plug them in um, and they all talk to one another. And they're all actually very affordable. Um, and a lot of Wemo's things are compatible with uh, Apple devices, with the uh, with the iPhone uh, type devices. I'm not sure if they cover the Android side of the house. Um, a lot of these home automation things are Apple and Android compatible via an app. And some of them directly, uh, some of them speak directly to the uh, home, the Apple home kit framework or the, the Google home framework, whatever. I'm sorry, nest the nest framework that, um, that is owned by Google. So first we had Wemo that had um, a, a ton of devices for your home. Again, key ring sensors. And the key ring sensor was more or less something that you could put on your keys and it sets up kind of a geofence um, around that device. So you could always kind of find it. Or, for example, when you walked into your house and that key ring sensor is on your book bag, then that would talk to you know, a motion, uh, a door. Uh, in your house. So you could set these things up to talk to one another and you can kind of see the utility there. Um, sorry if I interrupt you real quick, but yeah, what, no what I would like to know from you, do you see this as something that could be coming for the casual user and maybe not so much for the tech nerd? Because the tech nerd, of course, since electronics these days like phones and so on are stagnating, he's maybe looking what else he could bring into his tech world. And then home automation seems to be the big thing, the next one. But what do you think about the casual user? Could they adopt this as well if they don't know that much about Android and so on? Yeah, and I think that that was, and that's an excellent question to me. I think that was one of the big things about this CES that I finally saw. You finally see the industry making these things very user-friendly. So mm -hmm. before Demir and I actually started recording, we were talking about this, about home automation. And, you know, you might have to reroute your wires in your house, you yeah. know, in some cases, or have a specialist come out. A lot of what we saw at CES was literally plug and play. You plug it into your socket in your house, you install the app on your phone, and you're done. Um, and basically, it would be no different than using an app on your device. Um, so a lot of these devices, you plug them in somewhere, the app on your phone, you basically do a one-time setup, and then uh, you're not working with like Intense or anything like uh, the Tasker mm -hmm. app for Android. It's literally, they give you a full UI, you move the buttons from left to right, and it does exactly what you want it to do. So yeah, Demir, I think that so, so we're going to start. So practically, this means if you know how to use a smartphone, Android or iOS, you should be good for using that as well. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. And, and, and I think that's what's that's why I think this home automation thing in 2015 is really going to take off. Uh, the next device we saw from in the home automation category was something called Ring. And that's a, a video doorbell. 
Um, so basically, someone comes to your house, and it's weather tested. It's weatherproof. So mm -hmm. someone would come to your door. Uh, they ring the doorbell, and then what would happen is on your phone. And I thought this was really cool. Mm -hmm. um, it allows. So let's say you're waiting on a package. Uh, the the guy will come to your door. He drops the package off. He rings the doorbell. When he rings the doorbell, you could actually communicate with him through the doorbell from oh, your phone, cool. wherever you are. That sounds handy. Yeah. 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 And, and again, it's it's one of those little things. We we're, we're calling it home automation, but it's the Internet of Things, right? Yeah, someone cool. comes to your door, yeah. ring the doorbell. And and I thought that was also very cool. Um, we you know we had some smoke detectors and carbon monoxide detectors again that were integrated with things like your thermostat. And the thing is, is that we're beginning to see these integration of these devices with with uh, things like Nest or Honeywell um, with your thermostats. So if your uh, smoke detector goes off uh, or your thermostat realizes that the heat in the house is going up before the the, the smoke detector goes off, then you would get a warning. So so things like that. And um, those things, the smart, the the first alert, which which is the company who did this with the carbon monoxide smoke detectors, those run about a hundred bucks. And that's another thing about what we saw at CS. A lot of these home automation tools are fifty bucks, sixty bucks, a hundred dollars. They're very affordable. So it's no longer outside the range of um, when I was looking at something like. Um, smart there was a company i can't remember control c or control something like that mm -hmm. um i actually went to a home automation company and they were going to come out and do all, all this to my house but like we talked about before rewiring wires yeah, yeah. and all this other craziness so again um without going through the entire list uh you can you guys can check out the video on the show notes but lots of great home automation things and we're beginning to see that works with nest or um that home kit functionality from apple really really come into play so the reality of being able to walk into your house and say hey siri or okay google um open my door or unlock my door we saw those that's a reality now you can actually walk in your house talk to your phone and a smart lock will unlock your your um your your doors in your house so that that those commercials we saw at the end of 2014 are quickly becoming a reality um one more thing uh, so far as big topics, and this comes out of uh, Tech Radar from a guy named Ron Khalifa. Um, and Demir, I wanted to get your take on this. Mm -hmm. So this really doesn't have anything to do with CES, but it really has something to do with 2015 and where we're going. Um, his This article is called Industry Voice 2015 will be the year cash is dethroned by technology. And basically what he's saying in the article is, is that um, Apple Pay, Google Wallet, uh, these are going to be the new way. Biometrics, the, 2015 is going to be the year we really begin to see this take off. Um, I wanted to get your opinion on this because you're really good at kind of bringing things back to uh, a realistic and logical perspective. You know. Yeah, but the thing is also, and that was also a question in in my questions for Damir this time, and people wanted to know, or one people, uh, one person wanted to know when he can expect Google Wallet to be a thing in the UK. And I, or in Europe in, in general, and I, I said to him, I don't think it will come ever because Google doesn't seem to make any efforts to get it into Europe. And the thing also is, if I look at Germany, we have our EC cards, which is paying without cash. And most people, even those you those, uh, don't, uh, don't use those because if I check my people, I know in my community and so on, they all still prefer to pay cash. I pay most of my stuff with EC card because I have a better control and I see what I actually bought and what I paid for. And I don't really like cash. But I'm I'm completely fine with an EC card. That's like, a, if you maybe don't know it, because I don't think it's a thing out outside of Europe. It's like a credit card, but will get it will take off your money directly from your bank account. Mm -hmm. And all you have to do is give the card and 
slide it through a, a, a card reader and that's pretty much it and i'm totally fine and i don't really see the appeal of cash or paying with your phone because it's not really much more convenient because i can pay everywhere with my ec card already so why would i bother and we already talked about that with other persons if you have a google pay you never know if the shop you are right now in even actually allows to pay with that and you never at the first try maybe can't even do it but with my ec card at least here in europe i know i always can so why would i bother paying with anything else so i don't really know what all the fuss is about all those electric payments and i and i think that's a really good point um particularly the point about the embarrassment of having it fail yeah. uh so you you know you're a cool guy and everybody who's ever tried to use google wallet or apple pay uh have experienced this and and you know, you get to the counter, you're the only person there, you're the guy that pulls out your phone and you walk up to this machine and you put your thumb on your phone and, you know, you're you're like, I'm really cool. And then suddenly it fails and you're standing there after like, you know, the five seconds or so it takes to do it. And it, yeah, it's yeah, quicker. But especially, I don't know how broadly it is available in the US, but if I, from what I know, there is maybe like one or two shops in whole Germany that actually accept um, Google Pay. And yeah, I never, I never saw such a device in person. So, yeah, I mean, in in the U.S., uh, I, I'd say Apple has has reached out to the large chains. So, the large chains like Walgreens, which is a huge um, ch chain of uh, of stores here in the U.S., or Wegmans, um, they accept Apple Pay. So, when you're in there, you know because the the terminals in there look a little different from your normal um, card swipe terminal, just a little bit. Mm -hmm. And and so you know that when you're in there. Uh, it works. Now, that's different from how Google approached Google Wallet, whereas it was kind of this ubiquitous thing and you really didn't know. With Apple Pay, you see it like plastered everywhere. Even on the terminal, it'll say it. So it's it's very public. But I think the the big thing, Demir, is, is, and I think you hit the nail on the head, is cultural. Like, I can still swipe my card. So it still feels normal for me to take my card out of my wallet because everybody else is doing that, right? Everybody isn't going to the terminal with their phone everybody's taking their card out of their wallet and they're doing that and i think from a from just a human behavior perspective people are going to continue to do that it's almost remember when credit cards when we first start swiping credit cards uh and debit cards at first everybody paid with cash or check mm -hmm. so it took a while for people to just start swiping cards even though it was more convenient it was just kind of what everybody else was doing so i think until we get to a point where that becomes the norm um which is where you got to have market penetration to do that and here in the us i think it's spreading pretty quickly yeah um, and that's that's yeah. like you said that's the cultural thing because here in yeah. germany i think the biggest part of the population still doesn't have credit cards because we have the the kind of equivalent what what is a ec card and so, so many people still don't have it i see a lot of more people getting it slowly but it is not as common as it is in the u.s Yeah, so, I mean, if you guys check out the article, I mean, he lays out, uh, you know, and we'll have that in the show notes. He lays out some of the benefits about biometric data instead of a pen. And in that, he's talking about uh, fingerprint scanners. He's not talking about, you know, not the, mm -hmm, not the pen. Mm -hmm. uh, the wearable tech, the integration with the wearable tech. So instead of using your phone, you can just wave your wrist across the little thing and, and it'll pay. He, a la um, the, the upcoming Apple Watch. Um, And, and granted, it is a lot more convenient. But again, I think there's a cultural gap there that we have to get over. And Demir, I think you hit the nail on the head so far as availability. Um, and then expansion between the U.S. and Europe because Europe and the U.S. are tied at the hip when it comes to not only technology trends but, but a lot of other things as well. 
And so uh, if we if this is going to be a thing, it's got to be able to expand in Europe. I know Apple's looking that direction, and I'm really interested to see if um, if if Apple Pay gets there, does that mean Google Wallet? Because see, in the U.S., wherever Apple Pay is accepted, Google Wallet is accepted. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering, since Apple is expanding into Europe and they've made that very clear that they're expanding into to Canada and, and Europe and China, um, as that expansion occurs, does that uh, you know? Um, help Google, um, you know, expand Google Wallet. Because here in the U.S., where there's one, there's the other. There's no difference because it's all NFC. Okay. Um, so I'm, I'm, curi- I'm just curious how that's going to roll out in Europe, and I guess that's kind of a wait and see. Yeah. Um, okay. So um, the next topic, which I think my Google Docs document died on me. Okay, here we go. Um, so, okay, Demir, um, things that we saw that we really didn't bother to cover today. And, uh, and did and you want to cover this wearables roundup? I don't oh know. yeah, I, I see the yeah, link. yeah, yeah. We can do we can do the wearables roundup. Um, and, and real quickly, uh, you, we can go through this. So again, from Sony, we got the uh, the Sony Smartwatch Three. We covered that already. It's mm-hmm. steel. Yeah. Uh, Lenovo um, announced their Vibe Band, which is uh, the VB10. Uh-huh. Uh It's eighty nine dollars. Um, I hate the design of it. I don't know if you've seen it. <laughs> no, no, I didn't see it at it's, all. It's it's a it's a, it's an e ink uh, display, but uh-huh. it's it's compl- It's a rectangle. Mm-hmm. It, and when I say rectangle, Demir, I mean it's it's a narrow rectangle. I <laughs> I personally think it's 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 hideous. Uh, it's a hideous device. But you know, Lenovo, uh, it's e ink, which means you know I, I'm expecting it to get long battery life. It is running Android four dot four, um, and you know it's. It, you know, it's it's got the sleep tracker and everything else in it. Uh, it can get the the calls, the SMS from Twitter. Uh, I'm sorry, from Facebook, SMS, Facebook, and Twitter messages, and more. So, uh, it, it, but the display, the display can cover up to 150 characters. The, <laughs> the, the difference is that it's an e-ink display, so I'm expecting great battery life. the The downside is that it's completely rectangular and uh, absolutely hideous, uh, in in my view. Yeah, but in your opinion, do you think 2015 will be the year where wearables will more take off into the mainstream market? So, I, 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 you know, okay, so I'm going to say this, and I know that our viewers, I, I'm, I know that our listeners, I'm probably going to get some eye rolls from our Android guys <laughs> and some, some cheers from our Apple people. I think that this year wearables will be, I'm not going to say it's going to take off. Mm-hmm. I'll say that we're going to see bigger adoption numbers yeah, this year. Okay. And the reason why is simply because Apple's going to release the iWatch, right? So people are going to go to the iWatch and they're going to see what Apple's doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and from that, you're going to have two subsets. You're going to have people to say, I really want a watch like that, but that, that Apple watch is just too damn expensive. What are the alternatives? What are the alternatives out there? Um, and then simply the, the second piece of this is simply because the wearables at CES were just a lot more consumer. They were just designed better for the consumer this mm-hmm. year. Um, and so when people go and look at a smartwatch versus a regular watch and they see that I can pay 300, 250 bucks and get a smartwatch or pay 250 bucks and get a G-Shock, which is a little bit more expensive than 250. But, you know, you're, you're going to people will probably start adopting them more, um, particularly because of Android Wear as well. It, it's universal. But what 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 so far do you miss on a smartwatch or what would you like to see? So would so you would get back on it again? <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, for those who don't know, I was really big into smartwatches when the G Watch came out, and then I'd say it was probably a stint of two months before I was just like, I'm over it. 
Uh, <laughs> um, what I need, what I need in a in a smartwatch is I don't really need a second screen for my smartphone. And Demir, you said this a while ago, and it took me a while to get on that that train, but. Um, I don't need another screen for my phone. Um, looking at text messages on a watch, though convenient, once they start getting lengthy, it just feels awkward to yeah. hold my wrist mm-hmm. up and, and swipe through, you know, to do that. So I'd rather look at my phone. What it takes for me to, to actually adopt a smartwatch is I need fitness integration. I really need really good fitness sensors, not like some pedometer that when I swing my wrist or eat lunch, <laughs> it gives me a thousand steps. Yeah. You know, um, I need a fully functional fitness watch, and I, and I also need something stylish. So for me right now, smartwatches aren't doing it. Even all the smartwatches that I saw at CES, um, until I can see how they operate um, from a fitness perspective, um, won't really work well for me. I've actually begun to go more toward the fitness bands. Mm-hmm. Okay. So uh, what about you? I mean, is there anything that's ever going to get you on the no, on the wearables? I don't train? know. I don't really know unless they get a bit more on the. Uh, I, I don't really see. I maybe have to use one to really know what I would like to see or what I'm missing so far because I never used one. And what I would like to have something small that just shows me what kind of notification I have. Even because there were a few like concepts where you have a ring and there is one color the ring shines for, for example, a male, it's green. If you get a hangout message, it's yellow and so on. If I will have something like that, it would be actually quite nice because at work, I, I work in a very loud, noisy environment. I often don't hear my phone or just don't notice the vibration and I miss a few notifications. It's it's nothing important or so, but it would be nice if I would just look at my ring and see I just got a mail or I just missed a call or something like that. And I don't really need to read it because if I want to read it, like you said, it is cumbersome on a small phone and on a small device. And if I just know what I have, I'll pull out my phone and then I check it. But yeah, I, I I guess I'll have to wait about and check one at one point. Yeah. So so the last thing for the wearable roundup for you guys, and we have the the link to the article in the show notes as well. Uh, Garmin released um, a, a smartwatch that looks very much like a G-Shock um, to me, but again, um, it's Garmin, and uh, it they their their GPS on their watch or not GPS, but the tracking on their watches seems to be very good. A lot of runners that I know yeah, use Garmin. Gar- yeah, that's Garmin's job after all. They do yeah. navigation systems and so on. Yeah. Yeah. So they they have very good watches. They released the new watch again. Like I said, it looks like a G Shock. Um, all uh, Alcaltech or Alctech. Yeah, uh, but just... th- their version I don't really know because they used some kind of proprietary OS, and yeah. I, I don't really see an adoption rate. Maybe it's a nice cheap f- thing if someone wants a kind of dumb smartwatch, but I don't see that one taking off at all. Yeah, yeah. If you don't so, follow Android, Android Wear, it, it won't really be successful. Yeah, and, and you know what, Demar? I think that's a key point here um, to kind of wrap this the, wrap this section up. Uh, before we wrap that up, though, Wythings also released their Activity watch, and I'm going to be a little biased here. This is a watch that I've been following for a, a, a quite some time. The problem with the watch is that it's very, it, it was very expensive. So uh, when earlier on, the the Wythings Activity was like 500 bucks. Um, they now have a wide, uh, a Wythings Activity Pop, which is what it's called, mm-hmm. um, and that's being launched at $150. So uh, the Pop might be something I might be interested in, but the the difference between the Wythings watch and a lot of the other smartwatches is that the Wythings watch looks like a regular watch. Mm-hmm. It is th- there's no digital display. It's a it's a, a very elegant design. Just 
you know, second and I mean, hour and minute hand on the watch. And where a second hand would be, there's actually another dial, and it looks like um, it, it's seconds, but it's actually calories. Mm-hmm. So it's actually a very well done, um, very well done uh, fitness watch. Um, and basically, Demir, I think. Uh, you touched on something I thought was important. 2015, so far as wearables. If you're not, this is just my opinion. If you're not using Android Wear, I don't think it's going to succeed. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 if you're not Apple, I don't think it's going to succeed. I think it's way too early to have WebOS and proprietary. Yeah, but do we maybe see uh, doing Pebble a comeback? In any way, maybe doing something that is using more of the because right now Pebble can use Google Now notifications. Maybe they will make some kind of hybrid where they can take a bit more advantage of Android Wear without actually using the Android Wear ecosystem. I think I think Pebble has a lot going for it because they were first to market and mm-hmm. they've got a, a great base, and you can do their their platform seems to be very flexible. I think where I'm concerned about Pebble, where my concern with Pebble is, is the design of the watch mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. against what we're seeing out of CES. I think I think what's going to make or break Pebble is going to be how well designed from a from a fashion perspective, because these devices are now moving more toward fashion. Um, because Android Wear is the same across every. Yeah, but even though ma- I have to say, the Pebble Steel actually doesn't look that bad. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. you're right. It doesn't. It doesn't look that bad. Um, but again, when we look at what CES produced this year, mm-hmm, I'm really yeah. interested to see from a fashion perspective where Pebble goes. I, and I, I think you do have a point. You know, Pebble, among others, may have a chance to still live in this world of basically two uh, wearable OSs at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, in the smartwatch realm, we're not saying fitness. We're saying smartwatch. Um, and and I think that's primarily because of, they have a really they have a base and and their developer they have developer they have a good developer community so around that that platform and so uh, to wrap up the podcast we wanted to close with things we saw that we didn't bother to cover yeah um so we saw Android Auto and we saw Apple CarPlay and um, Demir for me I just I don't think this is going to be a thing. No, this year. No. No, definitely not. And from what I saw so far, even most of the other people think it's it looks like a very early stage thing and it won't take off maybe in actual broad broader availability in cars for the next five years. So it's still a work in progress in my opinion. It's a nice one, but then again most people won't change their car that often. But maybe once they change to the next car it will be a thing. But right now it's good that they started. But not really anyone really expects to start it anytime soon. Yeah, yeah, and uh, no needs to echo. Uh, I can only echo what you said. Yeah, that's that's Android and Apple TV. We saw huge TVs. I think that's commonplace at CES. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We saw <laughs> we saw hundred inch displays, and all of them are very expensive. And Demir and I will probably not be reviewing those. No, not uh, for sure. <laughs> for for that, go to like Tech TV or uh, CNET. You know, somebody like that that's getting that stuff. Um, yeah. And you know, fitness bands galore. Again, we, yeah. we covered yeah. some of those. But uh, we didn't really go in depth, and that's because fitness bands are, I think, a subset. Just like smartwatches are kind of a subset, and we're going to sit back and see how those develop. Yeah. So um, 
So, uh, any any final thoughts? No, uh, actually, no, actually, what? Okay, my my conclusion for this CS right now. What I think will be coming this year big is Intel with all their really light ultrabooks, tablets, and so on. This could take off, especially once uh, Windows 10 will get released. Because once Windows 10 will be again what Windows should have been on tablets with those really ultra small light portable but still very powerful devices it could maybe get more attraction because i see when i check windows tablets reviews a lot of people want to adopt them and maybe at some point it could not really take over the ipad but be an actual legit competitor because i really like windows tablets if done right and with these really almost on arm based cpu tablets in terms of weight and size they could be way more pro because you can be way more productive with them. You don't have any limitations and so on. And this could be the thing for this year, I think. And uh, for me, I think uh, final thoughts on CES. Um, it was a bigger CES than I thought. I think that wearables are a thing. Uh, I think they're going to, I think, you know, it's official. They're a thing. And um, it's, it's, I'll be interested to see whether or not it's going to split down the middle between smartwatches and fitness bands, um, who's going to come out on top uh, in, in the wearables market, as well as home automation is a thing. Mm -hmm. um, so the, the companies are jumping in, uh, whether we like it or not, whether you like it or not, uh, we're going to start seeing more home automation tools and wearables out there um, widely available. And I think that's always a good thing because phones at this point for me are, yeah, yeah, iterative. Yeah, very, because very yeah, iterative. that's the issue with phones, and I think we will see more of this this year. Just things improving, but not really adding anything new to the table. They will get thinner. They will get maybe better, better life performance and display and so on, but not bring nothing new to the table. And that's also one thing I talked about on Q4D today. I'm not really having any appeal, or I I, I see no reason wanting to upgrade actually because so many people asked me if i'm interested in the z4 or the one plus two and so on and i don't really see bringing anything new to the table so far yeah so um and demir for just uh check this part of the audio because you uh like broke up pretty badly oh, there sorry. so we might have to edit that no no it's fine we might have to edit that part out um, so that's been this, uh, our, the first episode of the damn jam. Um, I know we said we were going to go 45 minutes. Um, hopefully in post we get down to that. I doubt it, but Hey, it was the first episode. Um, we had a lot to cover so far. CES, we should have called it the CES special. We may end up doing that anyway. Yeah. I um, yeah. and, and, uh, you know, again, guys, uh, we will be doing this regularly. So, uh, thanks for tuning in and I will leave it to Demir to close us out. I had a great time, man. Yeah, uh, yeah, me too. And just to close things up, this is the Damn Jam podcast and I will make a G Plus post so you know how to actually follow the, the the podcast itself. You can, right now, you can even find it on iTunes. Maybe you should even be able to, uh, if you have any Android podcast app, it should work. Just search for the Damn Jam. You should be fine. Subscribe to us. And we will deliver you more of that. And if you want to find us anything else, you can find us always on G+. You you can find us, but you won't really have anything from it on Twitter as well. But we are mostly active on G+. As also Jamal said, he will do all his blogging on G+. I do all my stuff on G+. Otherwise, also on YouTube. 
just look for our names nothing really special otherwise and yeah and we would really appreciate it if you maybe on stitcher or itunes leave us a rating how you think uh, give us any feedback if what you, maybe even make once you get you can also get to the blog and i will post that to the link if you want to maybe make some topic suggestions you can leave them on my mail address or anything else if you may want to get be a, uh, a guest on our show have a specific topic you want to talk with us about no problem so yep we could round it up there if you have anything else to say jamar uh nope nothing for me guys um again uh thanks for listening and we will see you in the next episode yep okay until next time we will be back